Welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast, episode 210. I'm Rugby Reg, joining you again tonight. And with me, as per usual, is Matt Gagarelli. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm great. Good to be back. Excellent. Good to have you back. And also good to have with us is Hugh Cavill, who has officially retired from the NFL. Is that right, Hugh? Um, yeah, I have. Uh, I have. And look, I'm a bit frustrated that Andy Friend never actually asked me to play for the uh, Australian <laughs> Sevens. I was waiting. I've been waiting for my invitation, um, yeah. but it seems it hasn't come. So I've got to consider other offers. Unfortunately, he, Andy, he so. didn't mention anything to you last week, Matt, when you interviewed him. He didn't talk about Hugh. Uh, he didn't talk about Hugh. He did um, mention yourself. Um, he was, you know, as he was running through those positions, he said there is a specialist. Um, I think he called it a sidestep dummy. <laughs> was that was that in defence or attack? <laughs> yeah, in defence. Okay. Um, so you might be getting a tap, mate. Just keep your phone lines open. I will. I will. A friend in need is a friend indeed. Um, and of course, we've got Bobus in the booth helping us out tonight. So hello to Bobus. Um, lots happening in Australian and global rugby at the moment. We've got to hit the heart of it as we go. We've also got a very special guest later on. In uh, Waratah number eight, Jed Holloway is going to help us out with one of our burning questions a little later on. But uh, hold fire until we uh, get there because we've got a few questions to get to in advance. And first and foremost, massive news. We'll start with the Super Rugby and uh, looking at the Waratahs and, and their performance on the weekend. And the big outcome was Kirtley Beal getting injured and is now looking to be out for about six months. So uh, who's going to play 12 for the Wallabies now? I mean, I guess look, let's look at the Waratahs first and their win, Hugh. But uh, let's, we're going to, we've got to get to that Kirtley Beal question as well. Yeah, we do. I mean, yeah, the Waratahs, I mean, yeah, let's, let's, we hark back to, I think it was four weeks ago when I made the brash prediction that the Waratahs were, were looming up for the Australian Conference as a real underdog at that point, and I was laughed out of the room, laughed out of the room. (laughs) And yet here we are on top of the Aussie conference with a game in hand. Well, (sighs) look, it's a familiar position for us Waratahs fans the last few years, so (laughs) we we can't get too uh, sort of excited about it, I suppose. But um, it was a great win against the Bulls, and uh, the best they've played all season. They're really hitting their straps, and and it was all the more impressive because they lost Kirtley Beal in that you know, first 30 seconds, and it did affect them in the early minutes. But David Hor- Horwitz came on and played well, and Israel Folau really stepped up. He had a great game, and Nick Phipps and Foley are just, you know, the bedrock of that team now, and they're so solid every week. And and, and they managed to put away the Bulls, and, you know, big game against the Crusaders this week for their chances. But uh, without Curly Bill, it's going to be really hard, and it's going to be really hard for the Wallabies um, to beat England without him as well because he was he was looming as a, as a really key player for them and I think the answer is obvious in terms of who will be his replacement and that's Christian Lealafano who has a has a pretty good Wallaby pedigree he's got plenty of experience under his belt and um, will slot right into that twelve and I don't think he'll let the side down at all he's a, he's a really classy player and he's in pretty good form but uh, geez we've got to pray for his fitness though because past that <laughs> there isn't too much is there Reg. No, it's a real concern. It's a it's an incredible position we find ourselves in uh, with those key injuries. I, I think there is might be some respite coming. It's a different position, but definitely a consideration in that the the rumours are that Kerevi might be back this weekend versus the Sunwolves. Apparently, his his hands uh, uh, healed quicker than they anticipated, if not this week, pretty much definitely next week. Um, would he be a consideration, Matt, or would you stick with the second playmaker role that? Uh, 
that Hugh alluded to. Or is that like um, some of that Fijian uh, healing, like with Naholo's legs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we're, we're wrapped in <laughs> banana leaves, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you could maybe start to think differently about, you know, who you're looking for. I, I think a lot of people have been talking for a while now. I know uh, our mate Bob Dwyer has for a while been saying that, you know, why do we need uh, some sort of second playmaker there? You don't really use them as such. Um, and... But if you're going to talk that way, I mean, I think, if I remember rightly, that's kind of like where Rob Horn sort of started out. Um, I think he spent a little bit of time at Inside Centre for the Tars years back, where you're just looking for that, you know, really both solid in defence and somebody who can kind of start to bend the line um, and, and, you know, and keep the defence honest. Uh, But, yeah, it, it does open up some sort of, yeah, some questions in a position where we kind of felt we had, yeah, a bit of a traffic jam, and then all of a sudden, yeah, we're kind of reliant, probably on um that on uh, Lele Afano. But before we go on, can I just talk about that? It was sort of like the the, the uh, tragic poetry of what that Beal instant. I mean, you had last week him announcing that he signed some oh. monstrous deal, yep. um, which is absolutely mind blowing. Um, what he signed, it's 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 like what seven hundred thousand pounds per year. And the next highest paid person in the Guinness in the uh, Aviva Premiership in the UK is in, in the is in the four hundreds. So how they've got to that number, I'm not completely sure. But anyway, he signs this monstrous deal, which is kind of pretty unheard of. And literally the second minute of his next match does that. I mean, it was almost you know it was as, it was as tragic as um, Squeaky Moore, you know, when he was going to jog out to be you know captain. Um, of the world. Oh, gosh, in his first test, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and did his knee in, in, in minute one, you know, just absolute tragedy. And then I, I don't know if everybody saw it, but um, our photographer, Keith McInnes, also managed to capture the second he did it. Um, there's a there's a photo you'll find it. I think I think it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook that we've kind of shared, which has literally got Beal with his foot trapped in the uh, South African's legs, and he's uh, hyper he's overextending the knee. Um, so you know, it was it was just a I don't know, just a, a tragic thing all around. But I think it's got everybody scratching their heads here and up in the northern hemisphere of what happens now with what um, contract. Like you know, is it signed? <laughs> Did, did they have it filed away? Because I would imagine they'd be looking at it pretty long and hard at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Well, there'll be all medical uh, tests he has to get through. I guess the question when you talk um, broader with the Wallabies makeup and what you know, who replaces Beal is what we what we looked for from Beal in the past. Is it simply a twelve? Someone to wear a twelve on his back? Okay, that's probably Lily Afano. He's the you know he's the next man standing in that twelve jersey. He's a different game than uh, than. Beal, obviously, or are we looking for a spark there, which Beal definitely has, a line breaker who can create opportunities for his outside men. If we start looking for that, the opportunities start to decline a little bit, and we still don't know the position of, of um, Joe Tamani, whether he'll be back in time. Um, which, that's, that's, that's Joe Tamane to you. Joe Tamane. I did Every time I say it, I do have to pause <laughs> in my head to think which way is the right way to say it. Um, just like spelling for now. Um, but um, but to me, it'll be, you know, if Karevi's back, and there is even talk about whether Ant Fainga stays in the Reds team uh, at the moment, and there's discussion whether Duncan Payaua comes up, but who's to say that the Reds won't decide to chuck Karevi at 12 and keep Campbell Magne 
the young redhead who's been doing decently at 13, keep them in their centres at least this week versus the Sunwolves just to showcase what Karevi could do in a 12 jersey. So but, that's, but a, mate, that's a strong duty. Uh, so, but, but here's a here's a kind of a curveball for you, which, you know, yep. what about Carmichael Hunt? So, I mean, I guess he, I don't think he's, I don't think you guys have actually given him a run at 12, have you? I think he had 10 and then 15, but. And he's played 13 for Brisbane City, but not 12, I don't think. But hasn't he got a lot of that sort of, he's got that spark. I mean, he's got a lot about him that I would have thought that, you know, you you see in in sort of Beal's game. Um, You know, he's got a bit of gas, he's got a step, he can pass. And the story is Chica rates him as a centre. Chica actually sees him as a centre. I don't know, mate. I reckon his Hunt's form's dropped in the last few games. Obviously missed last week through injury. But um, in my eyes, I don't know. I think it'd be a massive risk. He'd be a contender, and I think he'll be in that Wallaby squad. But, uh, God, do we chug him in at 12? I don't know. But if he's no, in, if, no, we don't. <laughs> but if he's we, in the squad, what's he there for? What other position is it? What is it fullback cover or something, is it? Wing, outside, fullback, all of them, really. I mean, that that's the beauty... Of, of Hunt, but look, I'd put really good money that Leo Lefano starts at 12. Cheka has, you know, even when he was experimenting before the World Cup, and he had, we don't have a huge backlog of, of examples of how Cheka likes, likes to pick his sides, but certainly the evidence is he really likes that second playmaker to take the pressure off Bernard Foley. And now whether that's at 12 or at fullback, um, that's that's still to be discussed. But I, I think at the moment, Leo Lefano is the only competent second playmaker in Australian rugby that could play that part. Um, so I think that and his experience there, are, are, I think will be uh, enough to see him get the nod. Um, certainly for the first test. Uh, yeah, look, Karevi's, Karevi's great um, and I really like him, but I'm, I'm not sure a centre pairing of him and Kurundrani really fits with what Checker would be trying to do, but uh, yeah. Jeez, you're such a buzzkill, Cavill, but what about this as well? <laughs> One of the ones that has come up on the forum or was it on our Facebook page um, as an option, and this may be jumping the gun on one of our later questions, but Reese Hodge is a guy who's been playing uh, all sorts of positions for the Rebels. They went down 22 to 30 up against uh, the previously mentioned Leili Afano. Would a Hodge be a, a candidate there? He's got a decent running game. He's played a bit of fullback and I think even fly half for his club team. He's got some playmaking abilities. Would, would you consider him at all? Yeah, I'd be more willing to have him there than Hunt. But um, I, I love Reese Hodge. I really do. And and the, the five games I've seen of him are the same five games everyone else has seen of him. Yeah. Both. But uh, <laughs> is, is he, he, he has, seems to have a really good instinct. But... Um, Look, uh, um, I'm not ready to uh, put him in to start at 12 for the Wallabies against England. That's for sure. He might might, might snag a bench spot if there's a few more injuries. But, um, yeah. That, I think I'd be, not... I'd be considering Hunt before I considered him at 12. And I, and I reckon Checker would too. There you go. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Hunt's – yeah, Hunt will be interesting. I mean, like we say, the, the – Talk is that Chiga considers him a centre. So we'll see what comes up there. You're talking about curious selections, guys. We're going to move on to our burning question number two. All right. So let's let's phrase this broader. The sevens landscape, how has it changed after last week's tournament? Last week was a pretty remarkable one uh, in Paris where we saw New Zealand, South Africa, 
um, all knocked out at the quarters, uh, with Samoa winning over Fiji. Ultimately, Australia went down. We can talk about a bit about that. They went down to Fiji in a remarkable game where Fiji won the game despite only, I think, completing six passes in the entire game. Um, Let's talk about that first before we talk about the obvious uh, development from that. Uh, Hugh, our sevens expert, how do you think it's all, some of those upsets in that tournament, does that open things up for Rio? Um, it does, yeah, it really does. Because, look, some of the squads were, were, were undermanned and and um, Samoa certainly was really left field. You know, they, they've gone right off the boil this year and, you know, to the point where they were beaten by Tonga at, at at the Oceania qualifier, and I'm not actually sure, and I'm actually positive that they they're yet to qualify for the Olympics. I was going to they've ask, yeah, exactly, yeah. They've got to go through the uh, Repercharge qualifier, of which I think France is there as well. There's a few other teams, so they've really come out of the blue, like just like Kenya did the the uh, the last tournament in Singapore. So certainly, it gives these these smaller teams some hope, and and the evidence we've seen all year of the sevens is if. You know, there's one unexpected result. It sort of has this ripple effect through the whole comp where the draw is thrown out and all of a sudden another team gets an easier run and another team gets a much harder run um, and, and the whole thing can, can change totally. So, look, from an Australian perspective, it was a bit disappointing. I thought we'd probably hope for a little bit more out of that tournament and we were pretty well dusted by South Africa in our pool match. And um, Fiji, it, it's almost been the story of our season where we had a lot of ball but we really – couldn't do a whole lot with it and and we scored a few good tries but it wasn't enough and you've you've just got to be so on your game to beat Fiji and and unfortunately just a couple too many errors and and the Fijians edged it out in the end but um it was yeah I, I, I get the feeling I don't know with you Reg that our that our tilt at Rio's kind of just just wavered a bit in the last few tournaments and it might have even slowed you know sort of stagnated a bit and I, I don't feel like we're making the progress uh, we were, and I think not having Lewis Holland um, is a big factor there. Yeah, I was going to say, we we, def- we definitely feel to have sort of gone off the ball a little bit. In saying that, we did look good versus Fiji. That first half was really good. I mean, we controlled the ball beautifully. We executed kickoffs and, and those sorts of things sensationally. And then it's just Fiji brilliance that knocks you out. And that's what we, you know, we don't have that brilliance. We don't, you know, have that, that player can just turn things around. Maybe that changes this weekend, um with Palmer Fowl coming back. Um, but you're right, we haven't seen that squad, uh, that um, you know, full-strength squad where Lewis Holland is playing with Palmer Fowl and and uh, um, Clark and all these guys playing together, Jenkins and the like. So the dynamic is, Matt, I guess, having had your chat with Andy Friend and knowing how he perceives these team, team plays and seeing Fiji play, the big news is, is obviously Jared Hayne. We're going to see him play this weekend for Fiji in the in the London tournament. Bizarre, right? I mean, oh. I think we picked it a couple of... What, first, <laughs> first of April, didn't we pick it? Picked it first of April when we, we said he would sign and, and, and go for Rio. We were joking at the time, but it's actually all become very real. Yeah, I mean, just a bizarre sort of twist of events. But I mean, when you say we're going to see, I mean, I think he's going to be there. There was a funny report actually... Um, I think it was on Fox Sports in like a, a written digital report saying he's sunning himself in London at the moment. <laughs> Not many times you read that in a report, but um, you know whether he actually gets the you know whether he actually gets out there in a, in a decent game and we see him play, it's just hard to imagine where, where this is going to come from. I mean, 
you know, for a guy, he's not trained, he's not fit, he's never actually played, um, you know, rugby sevens before, um, ever. So how he's going to slot into what is quite comfortably the best side in the world is is hard to believe. And it's also hard to believe that the Fijians would be sending some guy home um, from a shot at, at, a, at, a, at an Olympic medal um, for this guy. Um, so the only thing you can think, uh, this is my reading on it, is this is like a Sonny Bill Williams style, you know, grab for media um, column inches, both by Fiji and by Jared Hayne. I mean, it's all been going a little bit quiet for him over there with the 49ers. Um, I guess this is a great way to jump back into the limelight. It seems to me that if you're in that sunny uh, SBW sort of uh, PR tilt at the world, you just kind of think as long as I'm in world papers, things are doing well and, you know, sponsorship comes my way and opportunities come my way. And that's what it looks like to me. From the Fijians' point of view, I just think they think they're bringing – they're trying to build a brand um, and get some money into their game. I mean, I think Ben Ryan, the coach, didn't get paid for a year. Yeah. Um, so we know they're desperate for a buck. So that's all I can – that's where I think this marriage is made. I can't believe it's anything else. Yeah, it's remarkable. you make a good point there, and I don't want to talk about Jared's motivation for it because I think you capture it pretty well, and I think that's that says it all, and who knows how long he'll be around for. You know, he's been named in a squad of 14. Obviously, 12 will play in the tournament. Fiji have wrapped up the World Series, so why wouldn't they give him a run? But Ben Ryan, as you say, is, is one of the, uh, the more astute, one of the more switched-on coaches going around in that World Series. I can't understand his motivation to just bring someone in with limited impact on the team, limited training. And the only justific- justification I can find is, as you said, it's, it's a, it's a money-making manoeuvre to help give Fiji rugby a bit of a boost, mm. um, which just seems at odds with what they're trying to achieve, but completely necessary, perhaps. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, and I guess we can't – I'm not sure we can point the finger too hard in that, you know, we were touching on this last week, I think, is the whole Quade Cooper thing, which when you look back on it, we just know it was never going to work. Um, and it was never really given, um, you know, a, a proper run at it by both sides. And then I think Friend finally said, can we just cut the nonsense and, and move on? Um, and I don't know. I think this kind of looks like Fiji are just kind of getting themselves into the nonsense now. The yeah, timing look, is just remarkable of it, though. In, in his, in, I mean, to play devil's advocate, because I do agree with everything that's been said, but the thing it is, is he's an incredible athlete. He, there's no doubt he's what was was one of the best rugby league players. You know, has been doing, you know, has been still uh, training as a part of the 49ers, learning this completely different skill set. And has come in, and, and there's no doubt that that he is an incredibly talented and gifted athlete. And and maybe Ben Ryan has just seen that. Look, hey, let's let's throw this guy in, and whether it's just into our training camp or whether it's actually into our games, let's have him around. Mm. And and um, if he can impart some of his knowledge and he can try and lift that squad, because that's what we've seen the the sort of other effect of having these ring in players into our sevens team is lifting the standard of everyone around him. Um, maybe Ben Ryan's seen that and said, let's, let's have him around the camp. And the word is if Hayne doesn't play in Rio, he will be in Rio as a sort of coaching advisor to the Fiji inside. So maybe, may, maybe that's a part of it. And look, you know, we all agree it's a massive long shot 
that he'll actually pull on that Fijian jersey for Rio. But God, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see if he gets on the field in London because, you know, to be honest, if if this had been three months ago and it had been an Australian signing in, I would have been pretty happy because, as I said, he's a, he's an incredible athlete. Um, but uh, so I think he's just left it a bit too late, unfortunately. Mm. I mean, I guess there's a you know there's a slither of an upside there, which is like you say, if if it can somehow pay off, um, and he is this genius who can pull it off, then you know. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's upside, right? Um, the only downside is if they, you know, have to leave someone behind. Yeah, yeah but but yeah. but you're not. Look, it, it's the Olympic Games, and, and look, if he's good enough, he's good enough. And Ben Ryan's a savvy enough coach that he's not going to just take him there on PR value alone as a part of the playing squad. Mm. Um, so look, you, you know, I, I think the other factor in this that that's just changed the story in the way it's covered here is. The fact that it's Fiji and not Australia, you know, mm. if it was pulling on the green and gold, I think it takes a whole different sort of um, light to this story. But the fact that he's going to play for Fiji, and, and look, let's face it, he's not Fijian. He has a Fijian father or a father, you know, that is part Fijian, and he and he's, you know, has Fijian ancestry uh, and Fijian heritage, but he's not Fijian. So that that that's that's the other factor in it too, mm. and so. It's, Which yeah, makes it worse because it's, it, it's a medal grab for him. You know, he's, yeah, got, the, exactly. he's got the most chance to win a gold medal to add to his resume. I mean, look, there's a good chance that I could go as part of the Fijian squad. Yeah. And, you, and you, you've holidayed there, surely, a few times? Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Um, and uh, I, own a, I own a couple of light blue shirts. Um, <laughs> and so, look, it, it, um, you know, I could stand on the wing for that team and, and they'd probably still win if they all clicked on their day. So... You know, he, he's on a winner if he can actually get in that 12-man squad. But uh, that's obviously the big question. Well, let's see how it all pans out. And, in fact, this weekend uh, at the London Sevens, uh, Australia are in the same pool as Fiji and we'll be playing them early Sunday morning at 2.54 uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time on the 22nd of May. So really interesting player recruitment there by Fiji. And I guess, well, could Matt, I, can I yes. can I just say, Matt, you'll appreciate this. When the news came out, um, I thought, you beauty, because I, I, I had a little bit of downtime and I managed to knock up an article about it, pretty brief, and I thought, finally, I'm going to get some of this sweet Hain clickbait that we've been reading around <laughs> the last you know, year or so, where eight of the top ten most read articles in the Daily Telegraph are all Hain articles, and the Herald and Fox Sports are all pumping out these Hain articles because people are mad for them. And so I was finally, finally able to get on this gravy train of sweet clicks, and uh, and nothing, nothing at all. Um, <laughs> it just just sunk like a stone. I thought, oh, that's it, typical. The one time we get a good story for hey, and it just it just doesn't doesn't go. It just doesn't resonate. No, it did. Yeah. It, the best one though was the um, the assigning for Oatly. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. Which, which you did have a hand in, Hugh. So you, there you go. You, did, you managed to get that. Was what? That's what. That's one of the biggest clickbaits we've had for a while. Yeah, I can't claim. I can't claim that one. That's that's our our. I think that uh, question we're considering later about about barbecues. Tommy Tom Tudor hope. Uh, yeah. No props I, for I, that. I that one. 
Um, look, Hugh, thanks for jumping on that segue because I, what I was saying it was a really interesting piece of player recruitment there by Fiji, <laughs> which brings us, Matt, to some, anyone with interest in player recruitment should be supporting our sponsor. Well, Sporple. indeed. Yes, indeed, Red Sporple. What a brilliant segue that is. And actually, it got raised on social media. Um, had Fiji been using Sporple to, uh, to pick up Jared Haynes? Um, uh, so, look, yeah, we're sponsored uh, once again by Sporple.com. Uh, if you haven't heard of it yet, Sporple is basically a sort of uh, player marketplace uh, for rugby um, at all different levels. So, that's, you know, whether it's a kid who's just left school, whether you're sort of pro level right up through sort of uh, super rugby, um, that's, that's a place for both players and clubs to go to find their next talent. Um, so get on there and, and, and have a look. Um, I believe it's still free um, and um, people all over the place are using it. The Shoot Shield clubs are using it, for example, but even subbies are using it to find, you know, where that next player is going to be coming from. So get on in and have a look. Um, I think it's also, I think one of the great uses is, for example, um, if you're finishing up school this year, um, you fancy playing a bit of rugby overseas, what a better way to kind of connect and, and go do it. So go have a look, free to sign up, sportball.com, and thanks for... Do you know, do you know and, and we've got that weekly offer, Matt. Um, actually, this it's specific to one club, but um, if, if you're London Wasps and you went to the code GAGR, um, you get 10% off your next Australian Inside Centre signing. Um, so that, that's one for them. I think they might be looking for a bit of a bigger discount. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Look, that wraps us up for burning question number two. Helping us out with burning question number three tonight is a special guest who uh, we had talked about earlier on, uh, Jed Holloway, who's really having a standout year for the Waratahs on the side of the uh, the field at the moment with his dislocated shoulder. But we're, uh, we're going to welcome Jed on now. He's going to help us out with our burning question, which is about the back row position. We'll get to back in a second. A few other questions for Jed. So, Jed, thanks for joining us. All right, mate. Thanks for having me. Look, first and foremost, most important question for Waratah fans and indeed Wallaby fans with building to anticipation is how's the injury? How long until we expect to see you back on the field? Um, Yeah, it's going quite well. Um, You know, it was pretty nasty for it to happen in a captain's run and pretty unfortunate the timing of it because I felt I was just sort of starting to get my feet at super rugby level and uh, starting to really feel comfortable there. And, um, yeah, it's pretty unfortunate, uh, the circumstances, but it's pulled up quite well. And uh, hopefully, you know, just keep my rehab going and get on the pitch as soon as possible. Uh, That captain's run surely should go down um, as one of the most... uh, significant in a little while there's a few injuries in that session what was what was Hooper doing was he doing rock and roll wrestling or something what's what's <laughs> no it was just a, you know the generic captains on a bit of catch pass drill at the start and I mean sorry at the start and um I probably copped a bit of karma because it was my left left elbow that uh hit calf in the in the top of the shoulder and uh uh, hurt his and then unfortunately later on I just slipped over and put my elbow down to sort of protect myself and um, dislocated it and it was the same one that sort of got tough so I copped a bit of karma for that but uh, yes. no there was no there was no, uh, no difference to that session it was just a really serious uh, series of unfortunate events really. Oh that's good to hear so mate when do we expect to see you? Do you, will we see you back before the um, 
the June window, I guess. So, mate, we're really pushing hard for, you know, hopefully this week if I if I get through the sessions or or maybe even um, next week if, if everything goes okay. well. So I'm pushing I'm pushing as hard as I can rehab wise. Um, um, and the staff are doing the best best possible treatment that we can sort of do with it. So um, yeah, fingers crossed all goes well and I get back on the pitch as soon as possible. Excellent. Now, I described you as a bit of a breakthrough, and you know you've been around for a few years and through the system, but it has been a, a, a you know fantastic season for you so far. Injury aside, what do you put it down to? You what, what's changed the last couple of years? Is it maturity yourself as a player? Do you feeling a lot more comfortable in this environment now? What's what's it all come down to? Yeah, I think you know the past you know few years learning off the older guys and stuff, but then. Uh, assessing myself at the sort of start of this year, I found that I just got sort of complacent being you know, the club play, uh, the club rugby player that I was and I reassessed myself as what I wanted to focus my goals to be and obviously I wanted that number eight jersey this year and um, at the start of the year I thought Cliffy was going overseas but then coming <laughs> back also, also it, it, it really challenged me and you know he drove me as hard as he could, and along with other guys throughout the preseason, like Brad Wilk and you know Jack Dempsey, who's seen a bit of time as well. Um, you know, those guys really drove me to sort of be better, and I always had the confidence that I could succeed at this level. And um, yeah, hopefully that's sort of started. To, as I said, I was just sort of finding my feet before uh, the injury, and um, yeah. You know, what about? Playing, yeah, sorry, I'm sort of lost track of where I was going there. <laughs> You're all right, mate. It was good we got the point. What about the change in coaches? You, you, you know, you've been, as we said, around that Waratah squad for a little while. Um, obviously, Michael Chica's moved on from his being there for a few years, and we've got Daryl Gibson there with a few new bodies. What's the change like from a from an insider's perspective? Is there much change? Um, look, Daryl's a very uh, different personality to check. He's he's very uh, driven. On, uh, sorry, he's he really wants the players to drive. You know the standards at, uh, at training and stuff like that, and, and really drive um, from the inside out. And he overview uh, overviews that. And uh, you know, check check uh, was a great coach for you know all a lot of guys there, and especially myself. In, in terms of the mental approach to the game, because it's something that he really believes in, and and, and I, I truly believe in as well. Because if your mentality isn't isn't there, then uh, you know you'll, you you sort of tend to drift in and out of games. And um, something that I sort of thought of personally, and uh, you know, even though I didn't get the opportunities under check, um, you know, he taught me a lot. And you know, Daryl's then brought a little bit of what check sort of drove over those past few years and um, with a little bit of his own, you know, bit of his own ingredients as well. And, you know, you can see the picture that he's starting to deliver this year and you can see with our performances, you know, we're starting to actually get the scheme of things of what Daryl's trying to drive and it's really exciting rugby. And, um, you know, it's a great, great system to be a part of. You talk about that system and the learning, looking beyond the coaches. What about the players? And you sort of alluded to this earlier. Who, who's been your, you know, almost your mentor amongst the squad, be it 
sort of this year or the last couple of years, players have been around that you've really sort of learnt from or have taken you under your wing? Um, Dave Dennis has, has been pretty huge in terms of you know, just as a leader and um, just someone who turns up every day and you know really drives the squad to be the best they can be in terms of you know just you're not going to have a successful team if you're not together and you're not enjoying each other's time uh, together. And you know he's he's a guy who turns up every day, no matter you know whether his body's banged up or however it may be. Um, he's always got a smile on his face, and his his leadership as just a player, uh, just a personal sort of uh, character as well, um, goes a long way for me personally. And it's sort of tells me that he, he enjoys, you know, he, he loves the game and he's there to, to play the game. It's not just a job for him. And, you know, when I was a young guy coming into sort of the Waratahs that, you know, I, I didn't ever see, you know, playing rugby as a job. And, you know, sometimes when you're not getting picked and stuff like that, the times get tough and you look at those guys who, you know, have been through that adversity like then I had. I think three knee surgeries and a couple of shoulder reconstructions. So he's been up and down and, you know, he's always coming in with a, a smile on his face and it's really, you know, it, it drives me to be a better player and a better person as well. Uh, and he's playing pretty damn well at the moment too. He had a cracker on the weekend. Mate, uh, anyone who uh, knows this podcast or this site knows that I've got a particular uh, love for the NRC. You're someone who's come through that system and 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 shone for the Western Sydney Rams. You're uh, sorry for the Rams, your beloved Rams. Tell us about the NRC and and its place in Australian rugby and and your time with uh, within it. Yeah, mate, it's a very open game, and I see it sort of suits me to a T because I sort of like those sort of free flowing. You know, when when bodies start to get fatigued, spaces open up and. I think it's starting to deliver a solid platform and uh, a solid base for sort of young guys coming through um, and sort of making that transition a bit easier because it teaches you sort of that fast pace and high skill levels of super rugby that uh, Shoot Shield doesn't really offer or other other sort of competitions don't really offer. Um, But then it sort of takes away from... You know, the, the other things like, um, I think, you know, scrum time and stuff like that, you know, I think we need to focus on that as well. But, um, mate, I, I, I loved the NRC when I was a part of it, you know, for the Greater Sydney Rams. Although we weren't very successful uh, the past year, it was, uh, it's been really good to captain that side the, the past two years and, and be a part of the, you know, the first two years of the NRC. Excellent. Now, just dropping out, in, in, out a bit there, uh, Jed. We're going to finish up with here, but um, we'll just no, try and keep that fine. So that's your call. All right, so our last question here is one of our five burning questions for the night, and we'll get to our uh, panel's uh, views on it after Jed leaves us. But, Jed, the back row position, you're a number eight. You're um, you know, a bit of a wide range. I know you played other positions as well, but you look at the likes of Dave Pocock and... Um, uh, Hendrick Chewy and all these guys. Is the number on the back of your jersey, does it not matter anymore, particularly, I guess, looking at the the back row? Is it more about the balance of the back row and, and the individuals or as a collective themselves? What? How is that back row, row set up sort of evolving? Yeah, I, I guess it really uh, suits a scheme that you're trying to sort of play. 
Um, like with Czech, obviously he he loves having that on ball or on ball seven, and obviously that uh, uh, the the sort of wide running seven or the you know sort of the evasive type seven is sort of hoops is. So you can see how successful those two are working together. But I could me personally, I could never get through the work sort of hoop stars during the game or a David Pocock because they're they're world class players and uh so I, I definitely don't think I could play seven. But you know, six eight uh, are fairly similar I think. Um but I think it just comes down to, you know, the scheme that you that you want to play. Like obviously uh, the Waratah scheme at the moment really suits me because it allows me to play in those wider channels and and when 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 I need to sort of work in tighter you know, I can do that as well. But obviously, our scheme is to try get uh, the the best out of each and every player. And you know, it's recognising guys' strengths and 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 what and what really is going to be best for the team. And you know, I think uh, number on your back still means a bit, but um, it's definitely sort of closing the gap. I think. Mate, just finish. Um, uh, just I guess expanding on that somewhat. Do you? I mean, Hoops likes to run off the ball. We know that he's got a great work rate, but you've got a great running game. Do you get targeted for special channels? I mean, are you told who's going to run which channel? Do you, is that part of your game plan, or is that giving away too much at this stage? Um, no, not really. We don't get specific channels. It's just sort of where, you know, we excel on the field and um, recognise that, you know, Dale's just a really big fan of, you know, just playing footy and trusting your instincts, and you know, well, we all we all got here from being good footy players, and and, and that comes from further than just training. It's, you know, it's brought up from when you're younger and and stuff like that. So it's just trusting trusting your instincts and just doing what you feel in a game and where you feel that you can slot yourself and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a greater plan behind that, and and as you said, you know, there's systems in behind that, but. Uh, you know, it's just coming down to backing yourself and trusting the instincts. Yeah, good to hear. Now, my final question for you, Jed, is I think the you know the Wallabies having a number of camps throughout the year, and I think they caught up for another mini one earlier this week. Were you involved at all there? You have a coffee with Michael and the expanded <laughs> Wallabies at all? Or? No, mate, I haven't. Unfortunately, um, I haven't had a call from Jack or any anyone involved in the Wallabies, but. Um, you know, mate, it's obviously something that I'm really, you know, striving to do. But I'm focusing week by week at Super Rugby at the moment. Obviously, the main plan is getting back on the field at the moment, and then hopefully, you know, getting back to playing the way I was playing and looking after my shoulder and really sort of building that consistency. Because I'm still only in my first year of Super Rugby, and um, I'm I'm enjoying every minute of it, every every moment that I'm out there. And you know, if if that means a, a wallaby jersey down down the track, then you know that's unbelievable. That's something that I've always dreamt of. But at the moment, I'm just focused on playing for the Waratahs and and getting the best out of uh, myself. That's great, Jed. Look, if if, if the uh, green and gold rugby uh, readers had any say in it, you'd be almost captain of the Wallaby team. You've a lot of fan favourites uh, on the side as well. So, um, mate, we wish you all the best with your recovery. We hope to see you back on the field possibly as early as uh, next week. You're saying that'd be fantastic. But uh, get it right and get back on that field and get playing as well as you were previously. And uh, we wish you all the success for the rest of the season.
Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jed. We'll speak to you again soon. All right, so thanks to Jed Holway there. Interesting uh, points there. Um, I guess getting back to our burning question, and Hugh, you're the closest thing we have to um, a blonde head rangy back rower on the panel tonight. What uh, <laughs> What are your thoughts on the question? What Do the numbers on the back mean anything? Or? I, th- I think they mean less and less. Um, in, in this day and age where, where players are becoming more and more skilled across the board and um, roles are becoming less and less defined, uh, I think I think they are, and and, and the Wallabies back row at the, at the World Cup um, were, was a perfect example where we had David Pocock, a number eight, who was very you know playing in a very traditional number seven style of hard over the ball, you know pressuring at the rucks and that sort of thing, and and Michael Hooper had seven and he refuses to fall into any category where he just kind of. He does he does tear in at the rucks, but he also is a great ball runner. And his defence is 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 probably you know the top four or five in the world, you'd say. So he doesn't really fit into any box at all. And then you've got Scott Fardy, who was probably a little bit more of a traditional six with 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 his lineouts and his um, work on the ball. But you're seeing more and more guys. You know the number eight position especially can be taken so many different ways, and we're seeing so many different players at the moment, even in the Australian conference, just playing completely different styles. It, it, it's great to watch, and, and Jed, Jed's one of the best at it. What about you, Matt? You're a fairly analytical brain. You like um, to, to you know, determine these game plans, and that was your question about the channels and the runs there. Mm. Is, is, is it a little more loosey-goosey these days? You think these guys are just um, getting on? And um, it, was, it was interesting to hear Jed there. He's, and what Daryl's saying is they just play the game. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a great insight. And I've got to say, the probably the bigger one that I took away from that whole conversation is that he's not had any... He's not had any conversation with Czech about. I'm very surprised about that one. Yeah, yeah, that was a bombshell. Wow, I mean, you know, that sounds like it was kind of like a bit of tumbleweed there from, uh, <laughs> well, from the selectors. Well, I've I've heard that Michael Checker doesn't rate him. Um, yeah. Now, how how true that is, I'm not sure, but I've certainly heard there was a reason why he he didn't get a run at the Tars when Checker was coach, and 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 apparently the the the, the word is that. Michael Checker doesn't see him as being tough enough for Test footy. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's a it's a it's, that's a tough one on him. I mean, because at the moment, I mean, we've you guys have seen all the numbers. I mean, you know, he's basically outshining Israel Folau in his attacking prowess that he's offering the Tars at least. Um, I don't know. It'd be great to see. Um, you know, I, the only way you're going to know that is if you kind of give him a shot. I would have thought. Um, I mean, look, if, if, he, if he could translate the sort of stuff that he's doing for the Tars at Super Rugby um, into any sort of test match arena, I guess what we've talked about, and we've been doing those articles around, you know, the different positions by the numbers. Um, so far, we've looked at eight. Uh, we've looked at um, seven. And, I mean, I, the, where I got to with the seven thing was, you know, basically David Pocock just stands out from anybody in Super Rugby at the moment in his in his pilfering ability, um, or or should I say, you know, sort of turnovers um, ability. Um, and I mean, in that analysis, it was interesting also to see that you know he has to do so well in the turnovers he wins just to balance out the turnovers that players tend to give. Um, and that's not even taking into account the penalties that they give away. So, which is why you can see, I think, why the seven position has changed. And people have said, well, you have to be a very, very good 
seven over the ball these days to warrant the sort of um, you know penalties that you, you know you'll come in for, for example. Um, and I think that's where players like like a Hooper or a Sean McMahon, who aren't necessarily so hard on the ball, but they will pressure the breakdown in a different way, and then they offer you the running skills. But anyway, I mean, I just I think uh, what Holloway brings is just another option there where he actually brings another line out option. So you could have um, a very dynamic ball running forward. Um, you could have a, a say a poacher like a like a Pocock, and then you can still have Fardy who gives you you know another line out option and somebody else pressuring the breakdown in, in another way. So I, I think he really changes that balance um, because you've suddenly got a big bopper. The one thing is is that, and I guess we heard that from Jed is that I don't know we haven't seen him do much of the sort of the, the stuff in tight like those really tough yards that a Cliffy Palu will yeah. do. Um, and I, I'm, and I mean, you know, if what you're talking about is, is right there, Hugh, if that scuttlebutt is true, then, you know, maybe that's one of the things that Chex is looking for and hasn't seen. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's so hard. I'm, I'm still think, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's, it goes to the nature of this question about the numbers in the back don't matter. The balance in the back row is, is so important. And, you know, we look at these individual positions as you've been doing, Matt, the seven and the, the eight, um, and ultimately the, the six, I guess, is but in the end, you, you know, you got to put them together like a, you know, a trifle or something. It's the combination of them all together. It's what they get out of them. I always love those my classic back rows. I guess from a Wallaby perspective, is that '91 team, not even the World Cup team. It's when Timmy Gavin at eight, who was just your, you know, your graft, a hard worker, great in the line out. You had Willio, who was your dynamic back row the blind side and and in fact Porter who wasn't traditionally an open side but was your open side on baller and then go to 99 where you had Kefu who was you know sort of swapped with Willie O he was your your hard man your your meter gainer at eight Matty Cobain who just did the business in the ruck he was the ruck monster that we all love and obviously Dave Wilson in the link so that this combination is 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 just so important and it's how we fit that combination now and you know, Hooper probably provides us a bit more of the meter gainer when you've got Pocock at number eight as the as the grafter and Fardy's just, just a workaholic. So it'll be really interesting to see how it develops um, and how things change uh, in this Wallaby team moving forward. But even at, as you say, Hugh, even at Super Rugby level, it, it just changes the difference in player between Browning to Holway to um, Butler or, or, or um, a Pocock, I guess, to... Um, Adam Thompson to Ben McCalman and even the force, they, you know, interchange their whole back row, you know, Cottrell plays eight sometimes or, or whatnot. So it's, it's just such a, it's just such a unique position and uh, that whole back row. But I'll tell you what's really interesting is it's one of those ones um, that really does divide people. So, I mean, um, we did the, I did the analysis uh, over the last few days and it just, I'm, I'll confess that it just so happened that the guy who, graciously put the the numbers together for us john he just didn't happen to put matt hodgson in in there so i just didn't you know so the numbers just weren't there together but you know we've done this for a number of years now and you know it's always the same with hodjo you know his his tackle rate is humongous huge you know um his pilfers are usually okay and then you don't see much else um a high work rate but but you know, not much else. But what you see is, and I don't think it was just Force fans um, who are great fan, friends of the, this podcast, obviously. Um, but you know, other people coming along and say, "Well, look, you know, he's you know he's he's doing one of those textbook seven things, which is either pilfer or tackle. How can you possibly not rate him?" And I think you know, you you now look at where some of these other sevens are in world rugby, and it's not just in Australia. So you know, you've got your Artie Surveyors and these sorts of guys as well, who are these 
dynamic sort of ball runners. And it's just, be, you know, I don't know, and, and, and people who can pressure and wrecking ball at the breakdown, not just pilfer. And that's becoming sort of this new role. And I think the, the laws and the, and the nature of the game suit it. But, you know, people are still pretty entrenched in what they envisage a seven should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, Matt. And it's it changes through eras, changes through times, changes through teams, and I guess it's that situation as Daryl's confronted with the Waratahs. It depends who you got in your squad. You know, you, you got a balance. You got there. Obviously, Chica gets to choose a, a few more players broader than that. But I mean, just, and before we, sorry, I know we're, we're hitting, yeah, right. one, but it's been a big conversation. I mean, the other one that kind of hit me from doing those numbers was where Liam Gill came out. Um, I would have thought that might have surprised you a bit there, Reg. But I mean, you know, these were numbers just before this last weekend's game. Um, and whereas I think everyone walked away thinking, oh, Liam Gill is, you know, more of a classic poacher, um, I think what we saw actually, I mean, he was where he really impressed was in his line breaks and his try scoring. And actually from a pilfering perspective, um, he was, you know, he was, you know, in uh, Pocock's dust really. Um, I, yeah, his, his ball running's improved exponentially the last three or four years, hasn't it? Mm. Yep. And drop. Uh, yeah, it's pilfering, but he was he led pilfers last year. So um, I don't know what it is. It's you know, was it a team structure thing, or they're doing something different at the break get, breakdown? But he's always had a strong. I mean, that's you know, he came through sevens. He's playing sevens as a as a teenager, so he's always had that strong meter game. But um, you know, you won't find me jumping on Gill's uh, death rails at all. He's a, still a superstar in my eyes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that wraps us up for that question. We're now going to move on to question four, our fourth burning question. And I guess it's somewhat related to that, given what we learned from Jed in that chat. It's about Wallaby Bolter time. It's all about selecting the Wallabies now. I want to know who your Wallaby Bolter is for this English series, Matt. What are your thoughts? So my Bolter's here. Actually, I mean, I kind of phrased it more in my head as far as, you know, who I thought as future Wallabies. But actually, if I... Okay. And, and if I... But, but, yep. but I'll... Um, then I'll... I'll I'll ratchet it up from that. I mean, the guys have really been impressing me. I actually thought, um, is it Campbell Magne? Yeah. Um, you know, look, you know, I thought he managed to outplay that hairdo. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, he's starting from a long way back uh, to be able to do that. Um, he's clearly got pace and strength, and he was very quickly finding his feet, I thought, at the highest level, or at the, at the highest level, at province level anyway, um, in Super Rugby. So, um, yeah, he really impressed me. Um, obviously, you've got anyone with, with um, um, Owe at the end of their name in the, in the Waratahs. Um, so that's both Kellaway and, um, and Holloway. Um, I think Kellaway's come a long way. I think his first match... There was a bit of, there's a few little howlers there, but, you know, quickly we're seeing him starting to find his feet. And I think he's got uh, future Wallaby written on him, maybe a bit early for him. Um, uh, Reese Hodge, we talked. Um, I think, you know, also at the beginning, I was a little bit like, isn't he this guy? Isn't he just someone who's been in the right place at the right time to receive a few uh, try scoring passes? But as time's gone on, you can see, wow, I mean, he's just. He runs onto a ball like nobody else. Um, well, not like nobody else, but very, very well, should we say. And I think a lot of people are comparing him to old um, the evil wizard Mortlock, and I can see what, I can see why they're doing that. Um, but look, out of that bunch, even though, and I guess that it's kind of, it's kind of questioning my tip here, um, even though he doesn't seem to have any check love, I don't know how you don't throw uh, Jed Holloway into the into the Wallabies um, squad. I just, you know, you would really think he, he'd get a run. Um, and so, yeah, he'd be mine. But um, obviously that, that interview kind of 
throws a few question marks around it. It just means it becomes even more of a bolt on now, but yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh, it staggers me. Um, Mr. Cavill, what are your thoughts, mate? And how do you approach yeah, well, this? There's no one super left field, really. I mean, that that could get a run. Um, uh, it depends. I mean, yeah, you Matt's basically mentioned half the uncapped players in the Australia there. Mm. Um, so he hasn't really well, left me well, with well, many th- other people. Three of three people, yeah. Many, <laughs> many other people to choose from. Um, I, I, I um, look, Tom Robertson's one that I've been really impressed by in the Waratahs front row. Um, and look, the scrum's up and down, and, and he's still a, a long-term prospect. But um, he, he, you look at Force fans' um, numbers that he puts out every week, and he's consistently outstanding in the work that he gets through. And, and he's got a real presence around the field, which I like. But um, I suppose the guy I'll pick is a bolter, and he's not really a bolter, I suppose. But I think it's one that, that will play a role for the Wallabies against England, um, and that's Rory Arnold who I think played really well against the Rebels on Friday night. And in what was a really good game, a willing game both sides, He Sam Carter went down, I think, um, midway through the first half and, and didn't come back. And, and Roriano really picked up and, and shouldered the load. And um, he's really improving year on year. And he's got such a big frame. He's got a presence at the line out. And with Locke being a sort of really wide open position, and Rory's played, I think Rory got picked in a, in a wide squad last year at one point as well. So Checker clearly sees something in him. I, I think he's a guy that we might see a little bit of um, against England, be it off the bench or even in the starting side, because I think he has that abrasiveness that, that Michael Checker really likes. Yeah, I agree. He, he was going to be one of mine. I've been really impressed with him this year. He's sort of, I guess I watched it a bit closer, and he's more than just, you know, two and eight centimetres of, of lock. Um, he he has some physicality to his game and also a bit of finesse. He was doing you know some nice offloads and passes too. So yeah, he he would be mine. The other one would obviously have got to go to Red and, and Red Red Reddy Andrew Reddy, um, the hooker for the Reds. He just he just is such a, a tough uh, abrasive player, uh, which just you know stinks of Michael Cheeker Test match player there too. So I I hear that he was called into the squad for their latest catch up earlier this week um, for discussions with the team, which is apparently just coffees and so on. But um, uh, that, that thrills me because I think he's a wonderful player and we just don't know how uh, Tafel, how far long Tatarf will be around. Uh, talk about him possibly shooting off next year as well. Um, and uh, obviously James Hansen doing well, good things with the Rebels. But Andrew Reddy is, is, is a big star in my eyes and I, I just think he's, uh, he's a, a test match player in waiting. He's been phenomenal over the ball. He's, uh, he's, he's another back rower. Well, he is, and he literally was a back rower um, at school. Uh, played in the same team as Liam Gill when they got to the first. I think Gilly obviously claimed that, that back row spot, and Andrew took the move up into the, into the hooking position. So um, he right. hasn't, hasn't looked back since. So. Okay. Yeah, so uh, good to see there's still plenty of stars, um, you know, potential stars coming through. I'd... Uh, Andrew Callaway is one we've watched come through the system for a while. I'm just waiting to give him a chance, and it's great to see him uh, grab that with both hands and run with it. Um, so that's some of the stars on the field, and we've you know we've really eager to see what they have and those key qualities they showcase to to make them stand out on the field. Hugh, this one, uh, this last burning question, question number five, is about standing out off the field and what makes a great rugby sideline barbecue. Um, <laughs> 
mate, what's what's the keys for you? And any standouts you can give us examples of? Well, obviously, yeah, we, we've just started a series of videos um, on on the site that are on our Facebook page, and and um, it, it's Tom Tudor Hope who who I've I have gone round against a few times in in the uh, in in fourth grade subbies. Um, where he, he he plays for um, a Sydney club, and I, I do another one. But um, he's he's reviewing sausage sandwiches around Sydney, and and it's it's a really overdue series because this is one of the most important aspects of rugby that uh, we just don't discuss enough, and that's yeah the quality and standard of sausage sandwich. And look, to me, I, I think you can tell a lot about the quality of a barbecue by the onions. You know, the, mm. I think it's 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 the real litmus test of a of a barbecue because there's so many ways you can get onions wrong, um, and it's actually they're actually a little bit difficult. You've got to put a bit of effort in to get them right, and it's things like are they cut correctly? You know, I've I've been mm. to barbecues where they've had a, a fine diced onion, and that, that that's just unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and you know, are they cooked? Are they are they uh, crunchy and raw or are they burnt to a crisp? You know, you've got to really get that sweet spot where they've just been sitting on the barbecue enough to, to cook and get soft and soak up a bit of that fat from the sausages and steaks and maybe a bit of beer that's been poured over them. And, 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 um, but, of course, they can't be too over, overcooked and burnt. And I think if you get that right, it takes a bit of love and attention um, right, right through the process. But if you can get that right, I think that's, that really sets you up um, for for a really good barbecue, Matt. Do you, do you agree, mate? I think the onions are key from another factor as well, which is just the aroma, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And and if you're smart, you'll get like a fan behind them, um, just pushing that aroma out as far <laughs> as you can, because I think that that'll bring most people running. Um, I I think you mentioned something else there, which I think is pretty key, and that's the beer. Now, the, the yes. one thing, uh, you know, the, the, the traditional um, is uh, probably like a, a can of Green Death um, is, is a fairly traditional one around New South Wales anyway. Um, you probably wouldn't use our podcast friend, which is Endeavour Beer. Um, I don't think you'd be pouring that on a barbecue. I think you'd be, you know, rather be uh, drinking that. Um, but, you know, I think to have something cold in your hand to go with the sandwich is uh, pretty important. I've got to say, um, when I was growing up, Reg, I don't know if it's the same with you, it was less sausage. It was more steak. Steak sandwiches were the ones that um, everyone was – or did, was I just fre- frequenting a, a, a different no, mate, part of the neighbourhood? I think you're right. I think there was definitely the steak was the big one back there with the old flat rolls. But I'll throw another one at you, and maybe it's just because my stage of life and I've got young boys playing, is uh, there's a club up here, East Tigers Rugby Club, um, play at Bodley Park, the uh, home of uh, plenty of Queensland players. Eddie Quirk plays there and – a lot of the young stars, Mac Mason and all that sort of stuff. But, mate, they do a, a breakfast wrap with, I think, sausage, bacon and egg on it. That is sensational. And there's a my season last year with three young boys playing, I think there was six weeks in a row I had a morning game at East. Mm. And I just loved it because every time I could go out there and grab a uh, this breakfast wrap and uh, a, a coffee from the van there, it was, mm. a, it was a sensational way to start the day. Well, you, you were looking about six kilos heavier <laughs> after that period of time. That's pretty amazing. Amazing sausage, egg, and bacon in a wrap. Oh, it was sensational. And freshly made, too. Great wrap, too. So, yeah, I, I loved the afternoon. I actually was out at Jeep's Rugby Club on the weekend, and they had a, a great burger there. But uh, I, this, East, this East wrap is, is just fantastic. Yeah. They can take it to another level. I think subbies, subbies on the sideline is, can, can be very hit and miss when you've got the prop that ran around in thirds, <laughs> you know, on, on doing, you know, manning the barbecue. And there's, 
you know, often there's a loser's focus a bit on the game to hurl abuse at the referee, um, which I'm guilty of from time to time. But, um, you know, you go to somewhere like, I mean, I, I had the pleasure last year of going to a GPS rugby game and, and um, schoolboys and, and in there there's a sort of this almost industrial can't, you know, barbecue set up with parents on there and, and you get really giving it their full attention with, you know, being private schools, I think the stakes were dry aged or, you know, <laughs> Wagyu, <yeah. laughs> exactly. But, um, geez, that, that was, um, that was a really professional organization. And that was a, that was a really top quality sandwich there. Well, I tell you what, I mean, what you, what you need to check out is, um, you need to check out these, uh, videos we've got on the Facebook page, because for example, today they ask the really important question, the burning question within this question itself is tomato or barbecue. I'm a barbecue man. Yeah, look, I'm a traditionalist. I'm a tomato. Yeah, oh, why? Why would you do that? Uh, look, I, I don't know. It's just something I've I've always I've always done. I I'm, don't have anything particularly against the barbecue. I just like yeah. the 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 sw- smoother, sweeter taste of the tomato rather than the the sharp tang of the barbecue. Yeah, every now and again I go back to the tomato and just regret it. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I'm right. I'm with you. But the, the tangy of the barbecue, and I think it's – I lived in the States for a while, and they, they love their tangy barbecue, this smoky barbecue, and that just converted mm. me big time, and I've never looked back. Yeah, if it was a gourmet – like some of the barbecue sauces you can get in butchers, those really lovely oh, smoky. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a we're back at yes, barbecue. Then. I'm not um... – <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Look, I can smell it now. This, this has made me – this conversation made me both want to eat and get a beer. It's a terrible conversation to have at, at 10, 10 o'clock, o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beauty. But anyway, yeah, catch up uh, what Tommy and the guys are doing there. They're rating all the different um, clubs that they go to. And if you um, stick your club, if you tag your club, you've got a chance of them coming out and getting you in, in, in the comp as well. They're doing, a, they're doing a grand job. And I tell you what, there's nothing wrong. If we're, yeah, if we're looking for some interstate volunteers that want to stick their hand up and do something up here in Queensland or Canberra, Melbourne, Perth, wherever, mm. uh, let us know. Let's let's make this a nationwide search. Yeah, there is some, there are some production values going down with these videos. There. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, they're HDF, so you have to be able to step up to it, but we might be able to find somewhere. Yeah, no Facebook Live on these ones. It's just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I found... A, um, yeah, no Facebook Live this week. Um, we had some uh, sickness and, and other things. Um, but uh, today I've bought a contraption which is going to widen the lens. Oh. We're going to get a wider picture. And so I think we might even be able to fit all three of us in at once. I'm also working on the audio. Um, I think I still might be a way off here on that one, which might be able to, so we could get like almost the whole podcast in on the Facebook Live. So we bring the whole thing together. Um, so anyway, we, we can but dream. Exciting times. It is, it is. It's a wonderful time we live, mate. Ideas boom. <laughs> That's fantastic. Look, uh, we're going to run through very quickly the Aussie games uh, for this weekend. Uh, some quick rugby news, in, I guess, around um, uh, signings. The Force just signed uh, Pet Cowan and uh, Jermaine Ainsley, the they're big front rowers to another couple of years, 2018, which is good. Say our fingers off back to the Brumbies, um, uh, sort of as a swap for Stephen Moore. And I hear Ant might be going overseas, so that'll be interesting for the first time they've actually mm-hmm. split up. So a uh, few things happening, player move. But let's have a look at what's happening this weekend, and let's focus. We'll run through it all very quickly, but uh, look at those Aussie games. And first and foremost, on Friday, the Crusaders are hosting the Waratahs in a massive game, really big one for the Waratahs. Matt, you're feeling confident about this? What's your tip? 
Uh, yeah, not confident at all. Um, I think this is going to be really, really tough. It's probably one of the ones you don't expect the Waratahs to take in their in their trip home. So yeah, if they can get if they could get a bonus point, like if they can get close yeah. enough, I think that'd be a massive win for this one. Um, and I don't know. That's probably what I. I mean, the, the way the Tars have gone this season, I think maybe they they will give them a push actually, but maybe not quite get there. Hugh, any confidence? Yeah. Yeah, look, a, a little. I don't, I, I'm not necessarily going to tip them, but I, I think they'll really be in the game. And look, they've been in every game this season. They, I think their, their um, biggest losing margin is is five points. I think um, so. They've been in every game they've played. But um, look, Crusaders in, in in New Zealand is always going to be a bloody tough task, and they did the Reds pretty well two weeks ago. So look. It, I'll tip them, uh, the Crusaders, but I think if the Waratahs can click and they've been really improving, um, they should be able to take it right to them. So I think this will come down to the wire, but um, the home side will just edge it out. Well, let me give you a bit of history on this, right? So here are the last four matchups. Last one was 32-22 to the Waratahs by 10 points. Uh, the match before that um, was 33-32 to the Waratahs by one point, um, which is that final, right? Um, and then before that, it was uh, in 2013, it was 23-22 to the, the Crusaders by one point. And before that, Waratahs, well, sorry, the Crusaders won 33-37 um, by four points. So, you know, the difference is 4-1-1 four, four, one, one, and 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's looking like high scoring, close match, you'd think. Yeah, I and, think it'll be high scoring. And in the spirit of transparency, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check myself here, Reg, because I did say the Waratahs, Largest losing margin was five points this season. It's actually seventeen. They lost to the Brumbies in round two, but I took. Yeah, I've I've tried to have extensive therapy to forget that night <laughs> since then. So it's been pretty effective. It's but uh, other than that, it's been fantastic. What a great <laughs> season. Um, yeah, well, I think the, I'm much the same with you guys. I think the Crusaders, but they, I think they might win by a little bit more than what you guys are suggesting. Uh, next game is on uh, Saturday afternoon. The Reds are hosting the Sunwolves up here at Suncorp Stadium. So afternoon game, three o'clock kickoff. Uh, as I said, I think can the Reds I are... before. Why is this game being played at three o'clock on a Saturday? It, it's um, a very strange time to play. I, I think the Reds always like to play. I, I don't know why it's on a Saturday, but the Reds will always like to play an afternoon game and a family-friendly game. And I suspect that was this was the game targeted. It was the one that was maybe least likely to to grab the uh, the punters at night, perhaps. I don't know. That's, That's fair, fair enough. I just I just thought it was a weird one not not to have on a Sunday. And you know, Saturday when school rugby, I imagine, is on in earnest. It might it might be hard, but um, yeah, it's AIC yeah, rugby it's at the moment. It's it's not the full Jeeps rugby at the moment, but AIC it's still playing. But regardless, so Sunwolves are hosting Reds, hoping to have back Karevi and Hunt. Um, which will be a big boost. Uh, and uh, Sunwolves coming off a 17-0 draw um, last week versus the the, um, the Stormers. So it'll be interesting. I know they've been down the Gold Coast all week. I'm hoping they got uh, suckered into the, uh, the the lifestyle down there and they come back pretty aimless and the Reds win by <laughs> plenty. Pat, what do you think? What are my chances? No, yeah, beginning of, a, of coming home with a wet sail there, Reg. You guys... <laughs> Be challenging by the end, but no, yeah, really looking forward to seeing Karevi play. I reckon you guys should have that one. Do you the same? Um, yeah, Sunwolves are so hot and cold, you yeah. just never know where they're coming from. 
Um, they were good against the Storm as if they can get a bit of a roll on. They might be hard to stop, but but you'd have to tip the Reds the way things have been going this season. And I don't think the Reds are that bad. They played. Re- I thought they played well against the Hut, the Hurricanes. I mean, the Hurricanes were a bit undermanned, but um, they yeah. were right in that game until the end. So yeah, um, it, I think yeah, they it, should be should be two. Yeah, they should have should have been in the Hurricanes. Hurricanes did everything was basically presenting the plate to them on a platter, not just through team selection, but injuries and how they played. But they, they couldn't quite do it. But they'll be home at Suncorp and hopefully we'll do it this weekend. The next game is the Chiefs and Rebels. The Chiefs are hosting the Rebels on that Saturday, sort of early evening mark um, in Hamilton. Uh, any chance for the Rebels, Hugh? Yeah, yeah, but they'll lose. <laughs> and, and I feel sad for them because... I, I like the Rebels, and they've been so close this this year, and they sh- could have, should have beaten the Brumbies. They could have, should have beaten the Blues. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a so close yet so far season for them. And so I really hope they can win it, but uh, I don't think they will. Rumours of a few changes to their team with Mikey Harris starting at 10 with Debrazini benched. Um, Mitch Inman back at 12, I believe, and Reese Hodge moving back to full-back spot. So we see how that goes. Matt, do you give them any chance? Uh, not a lot, no. No. No, if it was anyone else other than the Chiefs or anyone from New Zealand, you might give them a chance, but yeah. uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the Force are hosting the Blues over at Perth. Uh, the Blues, another one of these uh, ones we're unsure of. Do you, can the Force snag a win this one, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think they can. They could really, you know, if they can do a good choke job on the Blues and frustrate them, you know, I think the Blues are that sort of Kiwi side that if they don't, you know, if they don't get the sort of play they like, that things can go go wrong for them. Um, so yeah, why not? And it's on the other side of the country, dragging them all the way over there. So um, go go the force. Yeah, I, I rate them a good chance. They had a really good win against the Sunwolves, and actually looked really good um, despite the Sunwolves coming back into it. A bye week, keep the team together, keep momentum going. I hope they can uh, do it big time. Hugh, what do you reckon? Yeah, it could go could go anywhere this game. The Blues got towed by the Lions last week. So how they respond to that is anyone's guess. They're easily the most beatable side in that conference. So, you know, I think the Force have got a pretty good chance if they can put it together, yeah. All right, and that wraps us up. We've got the other games being the Lions, Jaguars, Sharks, Kings, and the Bulls and the Stormers, Brumbies, obviously the other Aussie team, and they have a bye, and that's going to see us through for the night. Guys, uh, thanks a lot for your contribution. Matt, thanks for joining us. No worries, mate. Thanks for the listeners for letting us come on your ears again. And Mr. Cavill, anything gross to say to finish us off? Oh, God, no, no. I don't know what's gross about about sausages. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on for that and end on a good night. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Get out there, enjoy your rugby this weekend, be it grassroots, super rugby, and obviously the Aussie Sevens team as well. Uh, Thanks to Jed Holloway and the team, and uh, we'll speak to you all next week. Listen, Andrew Swan is running. He's already on him. And he comes in with a shoulder. No attempt to tackle. Nothing. And from the side. There's two wrongs. Are you watching the same game? Yeah, right there, right there.